1: Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey guys, it's episode 161 of Please Advise, I still have a sinus infection, and guess what? If you like the sound of my sinus infection, you're in for a treat, because my guest has one too. It's Steven Myers, aka Toasty Cakes, which, if you call him that in real life, I will dislike you. Uh, Steven, how you doing?
3: None of my real friends call me Toasty Cakes.
1: I know, it really bothers me when I see people call you Toasty Cakes. I
3: love it. I mean, it's like a really easy litmus test. like Of like who yeah. your friends are. <laughs> Like, come up to me and say, hey, hey, so I know not to answer.
1: Yeah, because you're like, oh, I'm just a f- party like photographer, too. I'm not like a real fucking person.
3: Nothing about me is a real person.
1: You're a real person. You're a softie. You know well, I I'm know soft. that. Yeah. Um, I was saying <laughs> to you that I hope I have a kid. <laughs> I hope if I have a kid, it's like <laughs> you and you were like, it'll hurt coming out, which I don't know why I thought that was. I literally in that moment imagined myself giving birth to you right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It would hurt. C section. I
1: mean, any kid would hurt. Mm. By the way, can I tell you something that our, our last guest I think was underwhelmed by this piece of information, but my friend Karen, who I've known forever since like Hey co- Karen. Hey Karen, Karen with a Y. Uh, Karen Morelli Jonas. Uh she has she married another one of my really good friends from college. They had a baby. Um, and this week I was like Instagramming about my sinus infection because I need attention and um she, like, literally, like, I messaged you on Instagram, but I know you're not going to check that. So I just wanted to make sure you know that, like, you're probably going to have an OD of acetaminophen if you take all that medicine. You p-. I was like, I wasn't going to take it all at once. But, like, now that we're here, what do you know about sinus infections? And she's like had them my whole life she's like she's from florida so i can only imagine that like everything is just worse than florida because it's so fucking unbearably hot so if mostly you're just... the
3: people but also everything else
1: totally um it's it's like just uh no offense to any of our listen- listeners listeners of florida you know it's inherently people in florida trash. don't know how to read or listen did you know uh, it's well hold on i'll tell you something after but i was like karen like this is hey wor- karen this is worse than childbirth right and she's like yeah. She's like, literally, yes. And she's like, I was like, I knew it. Yeah, I
3: knew. Don't say that on Twitter.
1: Oh, I know. You'll get you'll get clapped back. Yeah. But I had to tell you, I think that anyone I know that's of they make sense in their life. They can organize information in a way that makes sense. Um, They they uh can recognize that childbirth is not the ultimate pain. And I honestly don't think anyone would. If if I had to do this with what's happening with my face, if I had to do this for. Nine months and then like probably a sixteen hour delivery. I wouldn't do it. Well, are you talking about like childbirth with an
0: epidural or childbirth that's like in a pool in your house? Oh, I well, as an
3: expert on childbirth, I think <laughs> never being loved is the ultimate pain.
1: Um, that's true. Actually, there you go. That's the damn so truth. If, if you're, that, you're that birthing if you're a, a child, then there's a pretty good mom. chance that yeah, you
3: know, you're not in the pain that.
1: Some also, feel. I think that a natural childbirth in a hospital probably hurts more than a pool birth at home. Because, you're like, at least you're in, like, a tub of water, which I think the gravity of that makes it all easier or whatever. I and mean, the self-satisfaction I did that
3: you get is probably, like, can kind of overwhelm the pain.
1: Oh, I, I also being in a your woman. Space. Yeah. I watched a woman give birth on YouTube with her eight kids crowded around the pool. What YouTube holes are you going down? You don't want to know, girl. Like, you don't want to know. Do you know what Trisha Paytas says?
3: I don't know what the fuck She's you're a fucking about.
1: queen. Anyway, um, I was going to tell you something else. Wait a minute. Going back childbirth, Karen. Are we going
3: to do some more bits from before we were recording? That will be funny.
1: No, it was... No, I wanted to tell you something else. It was about... You said something and I was like, oh, let me tell you.
3: We were talking about Florida and Jackie and sinus infections.
1: Okay, so this is what I was going to tell you. I was like not that long ago dating someone from Florida and he didn't know. He knows like Florida man. He knows like the meme. But I was like, do you know why Florida man's a meme? And he was like, Because, like, a lot of shit happens in Florida. I'm like, no, because a lot of shit happens everywhere. What happens is that Florida, all the information is put on public record. So, like, there's meth heads, like, fucking raising crocodiles in their bathtub in, like, half the states of this nation. Just There just is. But Florida has the unique distinction of having everything that happens in their police system go immediately on public record. So people who write for like the huffington post are just mining f- stories bizarre news stories from florida news all the time he had no idea what i was talking about i was like dude look it up florida is one of the few states in this nation which is why all this weird shit comes out of it i think michigan as well which is why a lot of you hear a lot well, of weird shit about what michigan. else you
3: gonna do with like a j degree from brown then sit on the the florida like record and follow up on who did salts this week you're not going to
1: get those clicks on your sylvia plath you know dissertation no
3: one cares about like your feelings for david foster wallace they want to know how many crocodiles ate methods
1: you know your tumblr might care but
3: well so that's the funny thing i mean
1: they don't care florida is like an analogy
3: for 2018 because Everyone thinks that the world's gone wild right now, and everywhere we look, there's some like outrageous, crazy story. Like, people weren't doing that shit in 1634. Like, I right. promise you, in 1897, someone was doing like a '69 in a fucking bathtub and slipped and ate a pigeon. But like, you just read about it now because it's on record, and then someone tweets about it, and then next thing you know, like, the shrimp fried rice gets stolen out of the refrigerator.
1: Totally. Well, okay, here... that. By the way, that fucking sent shivers down my spine yesterday. Oh, yeah. That vibe. Okay, so... I was angry. So, for those of us who are not addicted to the internet out there, which, by and the way, congratulations... Incredibly on timely
3: th- to the past 18 hours also.
1: Congratulations on finding the podcast app, because a lot of people can't even do that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah by the time this airs, it'll be, like, two weeks or. But I think this brings yeah. up an interesting Trump topic. Trump will have
3: already eaten someone's fried rice. No,
1: Trump will have, like, fucking... Gotten ahead in the Oval Office on like live live tele broadcast and like no one will. It was on Facebook Don't Live. Be so People won't care. People will be like, whatever. Um, yeah, maybe he he'll, he'll be going down on someone.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not maybe it's Sharing not just him his
1: dick sucked. Like maybe he's like fully eating some badge. Um, maybe he's, like, um, maybe he's sucking a dick. I'm These not are here to judge. Mental images. Um, but regressive mental images. Aggressive mental uh, images. <laughs> <laughs> I like regressive as well. Yeah, sure. Um. <laughs> But for those of you who don't know, some guy yesterday, and I have been wondering because he says he's a comedian and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, like, of course, your coworkers follow you on Twitter. Like, if you're like some average fucking guy who works in an office, your coworkers probably follow you on Twitter. So this guy that's like operating under his own name, I was like, this has to be a bit a bit right fabricated. But it's a visceral bit because anyone who's worked in an office environment or had roommates or like went to college or whatever knows that. If you put something in the refrigerator, you're probably never going to see it again. And this guy apparently ordered like shrimp fried rice. And for some reason, he wanted to cool it down. That was a part of the story that I was like, huh, like cold shrimp. Who's like, oh, cold shrimp. I'll take. But like in a fried rice situation.
3: So I think that the the lie that our generation tells its children is that, well, there's lots, but (laughs) pizza is better cold or good cold because that's a fucking lie yeah. and get it out of your mouth but Chinese food I think actually ages pretty well like I think it cools well
1: like a
0: fine but wine
3: but I think yeah <laughs> like a fine cheese
0: I don't mind like a next day reheating I think it does taste better but I don't think it no when that MSG
3: cold. like when the secret salt like coagulates and everything mm. I don't know
1: I like a cold little man. I'm uh, not going to lie. But I do think it's weird to get a hot Chinese dish delivered to your office and be like, you know what this A little hot Chinese
3: snack? A little hot Chinese snack comes
1: in and you want to eat it like a snack. You don't want to eat it like a fucking cold ass plate of rice. But,
3: so this dude, I have so many feelings about the smell of an office. Puts his shrimp on ice. No, there's a lot of reasons (laughs) why... People like us could never work in an office oh, environment, yeah. like smells. HR alone. But <laughs> the smell, like every time, you know, I have to visit an office or a client and I walk in and I walk past like Becky's hot reheat of her like Postmates from yesterday, I want a vom. Like the idea of hot smells in a normal space oh, yeah. drives me bananas. It's like when someone opens up like their tuna tartare on an airplane and you're like,
1: oh.
2: What
3: kind of I would rather sit next to this? a
1: cold-ass tuna tartare on an airplane than a than a yeah. McDonald's, though. Is there oh. anything more s- fucking self-involved than bringing a fucking steaming-ass bag at McDonald's on a plane?
0: I had to sit next to a family of people. Like, two of them sat next to me. I had a window seat. And then the rest of them were... Why do you have are-
1: families? <laughs> I don't know. Christina, why are you anti-family? No,
0: it was like it's a family... Like you are Let me finish. Nation. Sorry. <laughs> it was a family of people who were eating Sbarro's.
3: Why do you hate And Italians? not like
0: pizza. It was like there. It's like.
1: Sabaro uh, fucking reeks. It sucked It's so like calzones it and shit. It they're was like a calzones and ranch. It was a. That's ma- the name of our uh, new podcast,
3: calzones and shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was a calzones spaghetti marinara. Mm. Like it was. Ugh, it was the worst. I like the flavor you just brought to marinara. Yeah, right. I, I, I've been an been Mario uncle. Kart. I have an Italian uncle. I live with Italian Americans in Brooklyn. Like I'm going to pronounce it. The way they do. That's
1: good. No, I like that. So this guy fucking is in an office, right? And he is like, this, he's okay. He's the spectator, and he is just like he's reporting on all this. So this woman, this this guy brings his shrimp fried rice in the office. He he wants to put it on ice, so he puts it on the fridge to cool down. So it had been there for about a half an hour. All of a sudden, the shrimp fried rice goes missing. Goes back to get his shrimp fried rice, not there. So, in a wild turn of events, HR is like, why don't you step into our office and review the security footage? Which seems like an aggressive move to me and also wildly inappropriate. Like, that seems like legwork. Right. Work they I mean, that's white privilege. Own. That's yeah, they can do that legwork on their own. Like, also, I've like literally had issues with people coming into my apartment building before, and I know factually they dump that footage. No one
3: sees the fucking tape. No, like no. Because that's a lossy waiting to happen. The
1: tape's a fucking like formality. Someone's going to
3: steal your shrimp fried rice next thing you know, like you own the company.
1: I can't believe that they're like, let's roll the tape. Like, that's just a really, like, that's a stretch. and also feels like something that HR would do on their own and then approach the employee that desecrated the rice. So... They bring the guy in. The guy learns who stole his shrimp fried rice. It's his female coworker who our tweeter happens to sit across from. Now, just to remind you, our tweeter is not the person who owned the rice, nor is he the person who took the rice. So innocent bystander. Innocent bystander, but happens to be like basically desk mates with this chick who stole the rice. So not only does everyone now know who stole the rice, but we know that she took it out of the fridge, like did a sniff test. And then threw it away and, like, put trash on top of it. So as someone who, like, definitely stole my roommate's cookie dough when I was high in college, this sent shivers down my spine for a variety of reasons. The main one being that, like, that was my nightmare. Like, in college was that I was going to get found out for the one time I, like, ripped off someone's cookie dough in college. Um, But I have a theory about this. Like, I think that, honestly, she did not know. People are saying the rice must have still had a little bit of heat to it. Like it probably couldn't have gotten like bone cold and like looked old as shit in like the half an hour that he had had it in the fridge. So she does the sniff test, throws it away. He knows this information. Now, at this point, this is where I started to think like this could be fake. He says that the guy who has who knows this, the the owner, the OG owner of the rice, he um decides that he's not going to pursue further action which the, he made sound like it was so actionable that she could be fired for this offense.
3: Well, you could be like I don't know if we're going to spend 20 minutes on this fucking Twitter joke. We, but we, 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 we can. Are. So this l- is a like, real com- this is here's the, the top meat line. Of our I want to get to the 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 meat and potatoes of it. Yeah, Pardon that. But it just seems like this, you know, there's nothing better than when someone on Twitter with like 216 followers blows up and they get yeah. 400,000 retweets. Like literally this thing gets 169,000 likes because Lin-Manuel Miranda like reblogged it <laughs> because he thought it was hilarious or whatever. And I love something that's like, like your flies. go-to for like, well, you know, he's not very... like a
1: Chris. He's Teagan. having a, he's having a moment. <laughs> yeah. No.
3: Speaking of having a moment in Chrissy Teigen, but, um, you know, like, when someone gets discovered, and it's, like, organic, as we say in the biz. Yeah. As opposed to this dude, like, as soon as I saw, I've got a story to tell, and you click on his his profile, and he's got 14, or six, 18K followers, and he's a comedy writer working in L.A. It's, like, one, no one in L.A. eats Chinese food during lunch, but two, it's, like, this bro has, like, 18K followers, and he's a comedy writer, and... I know that he sat down. He's like TGIF. I'm gonna have my Mike Brabiglia moment. Like I'm gonna sketch out this long, drawn out, ridiculous story. Like the night before, he was sitting around watching some like boring ass Jim Gaffigan skit about like people in offices and their right. Food. He's restudying
1: and, Mr. Show. Right. Meanwhile, <laughs>
3: he's like watching. Julia and Julia or some, like, (laughs) 90s Skinamax movie about, like, a three-way. And he's like, okay, how can I put myself in this but, like, not implicate myself because that's too obvious. So I'm going to sit directly across from the offended party and directly next to the offender. And I'm going to tell this whole story. And I'm going to hit all these points because everyone knows what it's like to be in an office with Chinese food and the smell of the refrigerator. And it's something we can all relate to. It's like, what's the deal with airplanes? You know? like It just was so... It was just it. It had that smell of like prefabricated. Like I'm having a moment, right? And it lost me at that point. Like I was kind of along for the ride, but when all it of got the nuances... to the point where
1: he said, "Like I," he decided not to have her fired. That I was just like, that seems large. And like that's why
3: did she leave for thirty minutes and then come back? like
1: right I was also like maybe she ducked out of the office for the day because like it was because like someone was like hey do you want to come review the tapes in HR right now I was like yeah I'd fucking like say like I have cramps and peace out if I had been and the she right has snipper. no
3: allies in that office like there's no one who's like gonna sneak away and be like SOS that like change your like, name move to Florida
1: there seemed to be no community in this fictional office well evidently
3: phase. there's a community against this woman and maybe she was like a charlatan and maybe she it. right
1: it, it does but- also seem like a a pack of chickens in there though, like they all are like cluck. It's was my problem. It's like, why are you going to
0: investigate and then say this woman did it behind her back if you're not going to directly confront her? Like about the it?
1: whole office knows right. about it. Like, yeah, like so like, like
3: she should the elevator door should open and someone, a female preferably, should just fucking like sock her in the face because that's how you address that.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> um i'm like yeah christina's like absolutely but not no. uh, i'm like yeah violence sounds right oh uh, no, but i'm just
3: saying you know because
1: violence against women is never something you know, that's so what No, that's especially that. in the me we too don't. era we we know that uh <laughs> but and i hope you know that at home but um the whole thing basically like boils over where it's like he's watching her open up the email from hr saying that a lunch had been taken and she's like like, played it up, like, wow, who would take a lunch? Like, that's, like, fucking crazy to take a lunch, which I think is what most people in this precarious situation would do, would just, like, double down and be the most offended in the room. It's a little bit of the whoever smelt it dealt it, like, syndrome there. But, like, she uh, – apparently this whole thing goes down, and it kept just reminding me of – do you remember um, Elon, Elon Gale? Elon Gale, the guy from uh, – the producer for The Bachelor who – tried to pull a similar stunt on a plane um, where he was saying that this woman was loud and annoying on the plane. And then he started to kind of get really big with it. And it turned and then someone decided to take the ball from him and be like, you were actually sitting next to my mother and she was coming home for her cancer treatment. Like this could be her last Thanksgiving ever with our family. And like we are online making fun of her and like making her life hell on this airplane. And then he had to admit that he made the entire thing up because Internet started to revolt against him and be like, Diane in seat 7B is my mom. Um, And so I was thinking was like, okay, we're either going to have someone come forward and be like, it was me. Because like who gets as far as being a Twitter moment? The guy has his own first and last name on his profile. He has a picture of himself that's like animated as his profile picture. If you're a Twitter moment, like, let's not act like this is the one office in San Francisco where no one has a fucking Twitter. Like, Right.
3: What's I mean, because- everyone's hip to the joke. But, you know, moving past that, it's just the passive aggressiveness of the act. Because, like, I think that, I think that we've uncovered. I think that, like, we've done the Mythbusters on this, like, certified fake. But
0: the- I don't think a lot of people have realized that.
3: Well, a lot of people.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, people take everything
1: literally. So yeah. And careful. that's the problem with Twitter. Well, I think he he wanted people to take it literally and And they did like it.
3: No, of course they did because, you know, every story is best told in the first person. So that's what it was. But uh, what it hit in all of us is that roommate moment, that office moment that I guess sad people who work in offices have to feel. Of that passive aggressiveness of someone not even stealing your food, because like there's also some bit of like wokeness to well, if a person stole my food and they ate it, maybe they needed it more than me, and then that would be like a latched out thing that I think he clearly kind of wrote around like yeah. he, he put in the plot point where it wasn 't someone who needed the food or deserved the food more, it was someone who was doing how to spite. We've all had that roommate or been that roommate who yeah. takes something out of the fridge and throws it away. Or well, like, the horror is you right. relate
1: to every character in the story. You relate right. to having something stolen from you. You relate to being in a spot. Like where I was thinking, office it was stomach. like maybe it's like it was, I was thinking to myself, maybe it was during that 3 p.m. slump where you like want a snack, but you aren't going to order a fresh thing of like chicken to come to your office right now. So, like. Why so like you go to the fridge and you see like is there did someone leave a fucking banana in here that looks like it's about to piece out like is there maybe something in here that I can eat that's like not that wasn't going to get claimed and I was thinking maybe okay maybe she did it during that moment but like he got so specific to be like he ordered it at noon it was supposed to be cooled down by 1230. By 1230, the rice was gone like that was I mean, it was all just it was a slam dunk on his end in terms of like he really fucking got off on his little narrative. I, I needed more like twists. Chekhov's
3: fried rice. Yeah,
1: I needed some more. I needed some more. I needed some more action.
3: I just needed to move on with my life.
1: You did. Yeah. OK, well, let's move on. Steven, what's new with you? Nothing. Going to Kochi?
3: coke smella
1: yeah mm. Are you going uh,
3: you know i for 15 years straight i've said this year i'm not gonna go and i'm gonna say this year i'm not gonna go and you know are you gonna lean call into you from jeremy scott's party and
1: just admit that you're a piece of shit and you go to coachella every year
3: you know i have no reason to go but who does you know? Well,
1: you're a photographer. You need to go take pictures of 18-year-olds with their fucking pussies out in a pool. You think I
3: can't do that? I can do that in a block from here. No,
1: I know. In literally. three minutes, a- I can
3: have an 18-year-old with her pussy out right here.
1: Yeah. I mean, why not? Uh, it is Glendale after. I don't know yeah. what that means. <laughs> it is Glendale. It is
3: Glendale.
1: Uh, plenty of pussy up here. No,
3: you know, I. It's, it's one of those things where all of the feelings of corporate takeover and how basic it is and how ridiculous it is and how no one has any fun and how it's become so commercial and all of that all kind of gets overrode by the idea of sitting around at 3 p.m. on a Saturday, opening up Instagram or whatever, Twitter even, and just seeing everyone else somewhere that I'm not. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like I, I'm i an orphan who lives alone and doesn't have any family or anyone who loves me. And
1: I love you. Yeah, right.
3: And so... Every Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthday. I wander the streets of L.A. knowing that people are with their families and loved ones and they're home somewhere in this like Diane Keaton kitchen nook, like eating in this well-prepared meal, fighting over their like gay nephew or whatever. <laughs> and like I don't get to experience that. And I
1: relish I, in the fact that I have basically no family.
3: Right. Well, I so like do I. Alone. I look I,
1: forward to being alone all day tomorrow on Easter. There is
3: no better feeling than driving on the streets of L.A. on christmas day and not a single car in sight or driving out to malibu on the super bowl and all the assholes that make the beach horrible on a sunday are at home like eating cheetos and watching some fucking game and you get to enjoy it but i don't know i just i have this like imperative and it's it sounds so stupid and ridiculous but i do want to be there to document it and to see people and like if i go the whole weekend and i get this one picture that like epitomizes the moment it's it's this kind of Keith Herring thing that I've always had and always felt of I'm gonna be gone at some point, and I hope that the moments I capture the pictures I take the those little you know artifacts of history are gonna live on, so it's like that's my that's my
1: drive that's what take, gets me out there yeah i I will throw out this though, and I think this is one place you and I really differ is that I have decided that if I'm going to be alone on a holiday, I'm gonna be I'm not gonna be with anyone else's family. Like I oh, no, either alone like I get I, all these
3: invites and I'm like, I'm not gonna go and sit at your table and be like your charity case. No.
1: Or like I just like if I have if I've relieved myself of the pain of having in the stress of having to be with my own family, I'm not gonna go watch your parents fight. Like yeah. I'm not gonna go like deal as your mom passive aggressively puts out whatever you eat, like and have to fucking sit there and it's always weird to be around other people's home cooking. It's weird to be around just other people's fucking creepy ass uncle. And like if I don't want to make small talk with my own fucking birth relatives, then I certainly don't want to talk to your uncle Jim. Like
3: Yeah, it's like you're always on and you're always just like eccentricity. And especially people like us who are like really like important and fabulous, we have to go in the room and know that like this is gonna make someone's holiday. Like my presence oh, like here to
1: fall back. is
3: gonna well I'd like to, but I think that, again, it's kind of like our duty to show up and light up their life. It is hard to
1: be the guest. And yeah, you you
3: have to show up like a fucking like minstrel act, like you're a big old carnival circus. Like, hey, look at me. I'm the big, weird, silly guy. Oh, hey, I take pictures. I'm in L.A. Yes, that's me.
1: See, I'm the person that's like, I just I want to be extra quiet. And then like I get annoyed by small talks. I'm like, you know, there's other people here you'd rather do this with. Like, we both know that you don't really want to talk to me. And that's okay. Like, by the way, I've reached great comfort in knowing that you and I don't want to talk to each other. Like, it's okay. Like, you don't, re- you'll probably never see me again. And if you do, it'll be at another thing like this. And like, acting like you care about what's going on in my work life or my romantic life is really just a formality that you feel you have to do. Whereas I've come to peace with the fact that we don't give a shit about each other.
3: Yeah. We're never going to see each other again. Like, you don't need to know about my hobbies or what about coming up? Or oh, what's yeah. new with me? Or if, if there's any love in my life, like, I don't need to it's know. It's none of your fucking business. Yeah. And also, like, what are you gonna do? Fucking go up update my Wikipedia page? Like,
1: right. It this. also sucks too if you do anything remotely creative. Like, you, I'm sure you probably get like little soft asks to go take pictures of someone's knees oh, or whatever. Soft
3: asks? You and mean hard I, asks? Yeah. Like, I go to the Indian restaurant down the street, and the woman comes over and asked me if I'll take pictures of her family for a discount on my, like, lunch buffet. Yeah. Dead serious. Yeah. Like, I can't go anywhere without, oh, hey, my whole family is going to be in town on Thanksgiving, and we're going to be showing the love for each other. And so since you're alone and you have, like, this empty shell in existence, why don't you, like, take a little, like, window from 4 to 4.15 to come over and, like, Document
1: us. Yeah. People don't realize in LA too, it's like the ultimate scam. People are like so young when they come here and they're so stupid. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you should be young and stupid when you move here. That's the only way you're going to fucking survive. But I think that it's like you get these asks when you are a young writer or something where it's like some 80 year old person in Beverly Hills is like come right down like my life story maybe you can put it into a movie and it's like you realize you're doing all this like fucking spec work on some person's life story right. that will never amount to anything and you've just like put you know, it's like yeah. If, you, if your, your life. life
3: was worth telling, someone from CAA would have already approached you, right? Exactly. Like, you don't have an interesting story because if you did, you wouldn't still have an interesting story. There are story. few it would untold stories,
1: exactly. Right. But
3: it's it is crazy like that. Like there's always someone. Oh, you're a writer? Yeah, come over and let me tell you about the time I met this guy who met Dolly Parton once. Yeah. Or like, oh, you're a photographer? I saw your billboard on Sunset Boulevard of you know this Victoria's Secret model in her underwear. Do you think you can come over and like take a headshot for me because i'm thinking about getting into acting my son loves cameras maybe you can hang out with him oh and, like, yeah him.
1: everyone thinks that like you're looking for a hang and it's like dude mm. no man like sorry just because i'm here on easter eating from your fucking dining room table doesn't mean that like i really want to spend time with your like nephew and i like, just so stupid anyway i wanted to tell you that i've been expecting you to get me too and i'm really happy you haven't been have you been I mean, I haven't been expecting it, but I've been expecting that more photographer would more photographers would be a part of this Me Too thing. Especially okay. in the line of work you do. The
3: way that you said that, because <laughs> certain no, no, no. So right off the top, I uh, have not been me too'd I will not be me too'd and I so
1: would never be no me I, I yours appropriate I'm you're,
3: appropriate and you're a like, loudmouth.
1: I think that people
3: I hope that people know that of me that I'm a fucking obnoxious asshole but also I have nothing but respect for everyone Your but president. also women <laughs> and mostly my president Obama <laughs> fucking Not my president. Voted for Hillary and fuck all those Bernie people. Leave this in.
1: I know, right?
3: Like, honestly, like, how could you be more selfish? Like, drive your fucking G-Wagon over to No Name, the private club in the middle of L.A. So you can have a fucking Bernie Sanders fundraiser with Emily Ratajkowski, you selfish piece of shit. Yeah. But- um so i I take myself seriously i've I've spent my life being very respectful of women. Which I tried to
1: say that as straight faced as possible, partially,
3: but, <laughs> but partially because I hate myself so much, like I know no one wants anything to do with me, like if a girl wants something to do with me, she has to like hit me over the frying pan and throw me into a hot tub like
1: it's true. that's what
3: it takes. so
1: remember I, that one girl no
3: yes, yeah, yes, yeah, and um, and then the other one too, yeah, but Yeah. So that's that. And also longevity in this. I mean, I guess that's not true, but I've always personally felt and maybe I made a mistake. I thought that I would have to take my job seriously and take myself seriously if I wanted to stick around in this business for a while. I guess other people out there running wild like a bunch of fucking frat bros. But the reason I gave you the look when you asked is we were talking about Coachella and I thought you said, are you going to get me toot like I was going to hook you up with cocaine? Oh, no. And I was like, whoa. This really got aggressive fast. I think i gonna fast. be in
1: Japan for uh for cocaine for, for Coachella. No, but, actually, in fact, I'm like no, actually, no. They've got not lots of opioids go-canic. there. No, uh, Oh yeah. Mainline By the way, DMT. how do you how do you hit up uh, the o- the opioids in uh, Japan?
3: Oh, that's easy. I'll tell you off, mic.
1: Yeah, tell me off mic because I would love to get into some opioids in Japan. But um, it's so interesting because I always travel, like, whether I intend to or not, with, like, a weed pen or something. But I've been so conscious of anything I've even remotely thought about bringing to Japan, of, like, having oh, a Oh, yeah, you don't want to get
3: singapore over there.
1: Uh, no, like, literally, like, a joint is the worst thing you can have to the point where it's, like, there are businessmen who pass out in the street from drinking every single fucking night. Like Japan is known for just having drunk people everywhere, especially guys come into town. Like you, it's like a big formality where you have to entertain these businessmen. My stepdad was like, you know, God knows. Um, but there was, you know, you have to entertain businessmen when they come into town. And so it's very, very common that these guys get quickly overserved. They over drink. They blow it out. And there are men passed out in the street from drinking but if you get caught with a single joint you're, you're dead like right i mean it's row. like it's
3: like america in the 60s or 90s or who knows when it's like footloose it's like <laughs> some yeah some
1: paul parts McCartney, of country if you're still black yeah. yeah paul
0: mccartney got into serious trouble for bringing like weed to, yeah. M- to japan yeah right it's yeah it's a huge deal but
3: in, in america in a lot of places right now like you can go to your evangelical church and like hang out with your bros and drink like a a rack of high life go home and you know do whatever and if your if your daughter brings up like her jewel then you send her off to fucking reprogramming camp like yeah that it's a weird weird world we live in like this one thing is acceptable but this other thing isn't i don't know i don't smoke weed i don't care but yeah i think the thing about that though like they're looking for a joint like you the you don't take your weed or your opioids to Japan, like no. You just walk through a poppy field, no. But um, that's you know I want to circle back to the sinus infection where we started all this, and yeah. Jackie. Part of not taking all the steroids and antibiotics in the Z Packs, and part of me not wearing jackets when it's sub freezing temperatures out, yeah, or not being into weed or even painkillers. Like my leg is killing me because I fell off a skateboard, but I'm not gonna like take an aspirin because. I would. I don't like the feeling of pain. I don't like the feeling of cold. But I am okay with feeling uncomfortable. If that makes sense, like I'm oh. like pushing it back a level because you know you you don't want to be the the person who goes into a space and you need all these things like you need all this accoutrement like oh I need lotion to beat off and I need a fucking Vicodin to go to bed like that's not a good life to live
1: I am in a con- I-, I will say I'm in a constant state of discomfort it's rare that I even take like a leave to help my period cramps I normally don't care and I will let I will ride something out to the point that it's like not I'm not even riding it out like I'm just keeping myself in a perpetual place of pain My whole thing with this, and I really mean it, is that this is the most intense, severe pain I've ever felt in my life. This morning I woke up and I had regressed somehow. I managed to like pass out and then like come back to life a little bit like around 11. But I woke up at 6am and like piercing pain. I took two Advil, felt nothing. Um, it's it's really the most unbearable pain and No, it's
3: it's miserable. It's pretty bad. The
1: only reason why I'm really like really being active about this cuz normally you know me up you can let, open that. I will let something sit for like months. I I would really just like sit around in pain and avoid the doctor. I hate the doctor. I I fucking hate them.
3: No, I yeah, I'm the same. Like I have friends who will, you know, they get a paper cut and they go to Cedar's ER. And for me, it's like I'll live with something for nine months. like I'll wake up with a 220 BPM heart rate and my leg throbbing and like bone sticking out. It's like I'm going to, you know, let's see. You yeah. Know? I, I trust doctors about as much as I trust the police.
1: I said that to my friend Karen. I was like, band. it's not like we are for any lack of decent medical help in la like i would love to be one of those people that just like pops into the dermatologist three times a week or like literally i've never even been to a fucking dermatologist i have never been to most of these doctors that everyone i know will like people are like i go to see my allergist i'm like what the fuck is an allergist like fuck your
3: allergist fuck your orthopedic surgeon fuck your i'd rather someone just punch
1: me in the face and knock me out till it's gone
3: and in this era of me too (laughs) we don't
1: Oh, punch me in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But well, it's unless girl. it's another woman. Yeah. 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 Um I'll do it. Yeah, I know Christina's like I've been trying to get in there for a while. Uh it's scandalous. Um uh, but yeah, we're going to take our calls, but I will say that like one you and I are are chronic chronic martyrs uh
3: <laughs> right i mean yeah why do i need to go and get a pill prescription I, mean, I get to complain everywhere i fucking go right
1: exactly just like molly oh the patron saint of like not taking care of herself yeah <laughs> it's, it's like how about
3: you take a pill and shut the fuck up
1: yeah i know i really that? waiting for my big uh my big accolades in heaven for being a fucking pussy um but Doing anyway your vagina
3: monologues but of your soul
1: true life um Let's take our phone calls and see if we can um, find people who are more
4: pathetic than us. Likely. Okay. <laughs> hey, malls, Christina, guests, and wags. Um, okay, so before I get to my question, I so I don't get roasted for calling about something stupid. This is like, you know, because you guys need calls, but also it is kind of, Like, I've been thinking about it, and it's weird. So I hate Taylor Swift a lot. I've gone through phases where I kind of liked her, and then I didn't like her, and then I hated her. But I really like that freaking new song, Delicate. And I just moved to a new city, and I've been interviewing for jobs, and I haven't really had much luck, like, with anything. And then right after I started listening to that song, I started listening. I got these like scheduled for phone interviews. And then I started listening to that song right before the interview. I'm getting like super pumped up and I've been getting like callbacks and like, I, I don't want to like talk too much about it, but I got like booked for like contract work um, because I interviewed for this spot and then they needed a project. So they, and it's like a really huge, like giant app company. So I don't know. It's like really weird. So I feel like now I kind of need to listen to Taylor Swift to keep my success up. And I don't, I don't know. I think that being superstitious is stupid, but I'm also like really superstitious because now every time I have an interview or something, I feel like I need to have Taylor Swift blasting on repeat to get myself pumped up. So yeah, what do you do when something that you like morally hate is like, benefit not benefit I don't know it probably has nothing to do with it but anyway I hate Taylor Swift but I feel like her music is helping me right now so if there's any sort of advice or thoughts on that thanks
1: like what did Taylor Swift do to you I guess that's my biggest question is like I understand being annoyed with someone and not liking their music. Yeah. And, but, like, you know, Taylor's also someone that's had many phases in her career. So, as she's moved more into the pop sphere, I would say that it's probably more likely that her music would appeal to you. And I think a lot of the stuff out there about her is like not the problem with Taylor Swift.
3: Well, I mean, roll it back for a second. One, like, You should be so lucky to have us roast you. Like people pay to have us roast them. It's not good
1: enough to roast.
3: Honestly, you're not good enough to roast. Like,
1: no, the problem is like
3: she'll punch Molly in the face for funds because we're friends. But like, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, we'll pay this woman to punch her in the face. Like, and you should be so fucking lucky. But also, like, that just speaks to like I don't uh, using the word basic is basic, but like. Oh, my God. I don't like not liking Taylor Swift because you think it's basic is the ultimate basic because like what you fucking like, man. Like what are you going to go to like put on a fucking Arcade Fire cassette tape and sit me down and like tell me how important it is to your life? Like put on Steely Dan and like explain like how fucking you really have these deep feelings about whatever. Like that's stupid. Like be your own person like your own thing and like have like the superstition part is what it is i mean no one wants to believe that they're superstitious but they are yeah. everyone has those things. everyone
1: has their hang and that's
3: fine like be joe nameth don't change your socks if it gets you jazzed <laughs> for the gym like i don't know man i'll put on shake it off when i need that like last four minutes of cardio like it gets me that. oh
1: i thought you meant the the bella Thorne show i was like stephen that's why would why does that pump you up uh, well, i don't want to know i remember
3: bella before she was cool
1: um, That's cool. Yeah, um, no, she's
3: not cool. But that's the thing is, you know, I like,
1: enjoy her. Uh,
3: Taylor or Bella?
1: I enjoy. I enjoy Kim, both uh, of them. Bella's uh, journey on Instagram.
3: I, you know, I Taylor gave me a guitar pick at a skybox. At the Staples Center one night. She, like, this,
1: see, this is the problem with Steven. That's is the problem with Stephen. It becomes really unrelatable real quick. Yeah. Uh. I mean,
3: like, I don't want to make everything about me, but I'll definitely make this about me.
1: But. She's fine. Like, I mean, she. Well, can, any I, of the, can like, I ask a real question? Okay. Let's just boil this down to the meat and potatoes for me of the whole Taylor Swift issue is why don't you like, what has she ever fucking done to you? She's never written a song about you. I don't think she's put her politics in your face. I don't think that she's drawn any fucking hard lines. I think she that hasn't if put a, any politics in anybody. Well, yeah. she did donate to the march. Uh, yeah. That was her first like political move. Yeah. Besides, uh, I think um, donating to Kesha's defense, which I don't think is necessarily a political move as much as it's like just a woman move. And I think that she's done some things that if anything are probably better for the greater good than not uh she donates a lot of money to charity i just don't know like did you fuck jake gyllenhaal and like have to deal with the fallout of him her writing a song about him or
3: like Like, but yeah it's it's why are you tearing this person down for no reason like she didn't do anything to you there's nothing wrong with her i'm not hearing any like the apple music letter (laughs) at like all the trendiest fucking android clubs someone is going to be putting on taylor swift the way that we put on tlc right now because yeah. i can tell you in 1994 people were like oh my god this spice girl shit well that was 1997 but like the spice girl shit is mad basic like no one wants to listen to this you're a loser for being trendy and now like all the like most lit weirdo kids are like oh my god check me out i've got an animated gif of my face and like i listen to spice girl so right like be on board with it just like what you like and you're not gonna impress anyone with the things you like,
1: especially There's, if it's working. If that's for the most you. important
3: thing about you is the the shit you like, then or the you shit need you don't get, like, or the shit you don't like, you need to get a life.
0: I think we moved past that point in culture where you can be like, I listened to Arcade Fire before you even knew who they were. Well, no, I mean it's that losers. era of
1: new sincerity. It's like it's like when we hit that point, like the word of i the word irony was so um, like uh, used and abused that I think that people started to say like. The fact is, is that irony is not much less of a concept, is is less of a concept than you think. Because people aren't ironically going to midi- medieval times. Like, part of them genuinely fucking enjoys that. Right. And, yeah. Or people aren't ironically going to, like... It's like, you know, no one
3: ironically runs a marathon. No one's like, I'm going to ironically...
1: Let me let me throw this out there. I went to a concert several years ago that was like Sugar Ray, Smash Mouth, Everclear, Lit. Okay, that was the bill. All right, and like, yes, did we all go? Were we like L O fucking L like Sugar Ray? Like, will I? And
3: you're like humming along. You're like, let's. It'll be. I just want to fly, bitch.
1: Like, I just want to fly. Mark McGrath, my my dude. Wouldn't it be (laughs) wild if we
3: like listen to the tape on the way and like drink some St. Ives in the car? Like. That'd be so crazy. And like, you oh my God, I totally know all the lyrics baby. to All Star. Ironically, because like. <laughs> it was really lit. Yeah. yeah,
1: it was And fucking Mark lit. McGrath
3: like killed it on Celebrity Jeopardy also. So, yeah. you know, go Trojans.
1: Like, you know, just mad respect. Like, honestly, I have to say, like, all that shit that's just. I'm going to go to the 1989 or uh, fucking reputation tour I'm absolutely going to the Rose Bowl because one like why would I miss that if I have the opportunity to go like my friend got me a ticket if I have the opportunity to go to that I'm not going to not go because I have some sort of social reservation about about it or whatever like anything that's kind of legendary or iconic or of your time that you can attend or that you can listen to or partake in you're a fool not to do it because these moments passes by and then all of a sudden you're the motherfucker sitting there with your thumb up your ass being like yeah i had a ticket to the original woodstock but it didn't go because you know hippies are fucking gross like so are you
3: saying the rest is still unwritten
1: I would say that the rest is still unwritten for sure. Like No,
3: but uh, 100 on the Feel Woodstock the rain on note. your skin, like, bitch. Just feel that rain. Yeah. Like, go to Taylor Swift because everyone wants to think they're hip like, oh, my God, I'm going to go see the reunion of Guns N' Roses now that they're all in Cialis. Like, also, like, don't no fucking one
1: else see can feel Guns it for roses you, in only you can let it in. Like, well,
3: <laughs> that's problematic.
0: No one else can speak the word on your lips. Yeah.
1: So, the
3: rest is live unread. your life with no, eyes open. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> but but to, to bring it back, honestly, like don't go see the Rolling Stones on their you know 2012 tour of geriatric like bullshit. Go and see them when they're cool and fresh. Like it's it's kind of or like do all of it or do all of it. But be, do it all, Yeah, baby. go enjoy it when it's new and when it's a thing. And then like get that concert tee so that your kids will have something ironic to wear.
1: Totally. And by the way, oh, they'll be like, Yeah, because that shit cycles
0: back. All those
1: kids are wearing like fucking uh Limp Biscuit t shirts now. I have like, Do you know how often I think about what my mother must have been thinking when I legitimately came home from the mall, went up to my room, and popped in that best of culture club C D like what my mom's thought it's process like, would have you, been when your is mom like,
3: said, Do you really want to hurt me?
1: This is party music that I ran from in my in my college years and now my teenage daughter has gone out sought out culture club on her own And you're like
3: fucking husker do kind of rocks mom like yeah fall back.
1: fucking get involved um but Wags
3: loves culture yeah club.
1: not only does uh, wag stop not only does all this stuff come back around but like you are allowed to like what you like like what's the, and also but more importantly what's the really i beg of you of this call me back three two three four five zero, 7, 4, 0 what is your political stance on taylor swift why is this it reminds me of like okay When Britney Spears first came out, I was 14 years old and I was delusional and thought in my mind that she was my direct competition for boys. Like, I was like... I mean, look, like guys on my class want Britney Spears. I want them to want me. That is a threat to me. I that, do not that like Britney totally Spears. not going to
3: bow me because like Britney might show up to the party at Britney 11.48. Britney could show up to the
1: party and fucking take her top yeah, off. And he,
3: he's holding out.
1: And he's going to be like, Miles doesn't have tits. Britney does. I'm out. And like that was my train of thought. That was because I was 14. I just started my period a year prior and I was a fucking idiot. So I want to know from you. Because, as I will say, now you guys know me as a Britney stan, and it's because I grew up, I fucking realized her cultural significance, I felt deep compassion for her, I realized that I had been a fucking teenage idiot with just an odd bias against a pop star, because for some reason I thought she was going to take some cock out of my life that I wasn't even getting. Uh, and and I, need, I need to know from you, why? Why? For what? What does this, what does this hatred fuel in you?
2: Yeah, I
3: think Tell being me. a teenager is kind of about being self-centered that way. Maybe that's, being a teenager is everything. This
1: is a grown-ass is, woman. Oh, well, that's sad. Yeah. She's looking for, she's out there on the job right.
3: force. We, well, some people never. <laughs> Can you imagine
1: an active Taylor Swift hater getting a job over you? <laughs> like someone, like, you didn't get but a also, job. Also,
3: like, if this woman gets his job at this supposedly big company that she's vying for, like, you get on your fucking hands and knees and kiss the ground that Taylor sure. walks on. You didn't get that job. Taylor got you that job.
0: Okay, girl, it's delicate. Do you have a song that like pumps you up for something, like whether you're going out or it if depends you have on it depends on you, Not yet. Um,
1: I will say Steve Winwood's Higher Love. Whenever that comes on in the car, I'm ready to fucking Dude, just punch. Dude, you the know way what? Honestly
3: take me there because Peter Cetera
1: oh yeah honestly anything, we, anything.
3: I, I'm not even white but we couldn't be more white I'm just like fucking put on Kiri right now <laughs> when that shit fucking bangs like roll down your windows and just let it go
1: absolutely I love uh, Boys of Summer too I love a good I just love Dude, a good LFO fucking did, yeah. that's uh, Summer Girls
2: oh
3: sorry
1: Boys of Summer well, is the uh, oh, yeah Dawn the shitty Huntley song Joy, yeah. about yeah.
3: baseball that I don't care about yeah <laughs> But then there was a cool cover, too. No, but, like, when LFO Summer Girls comes on, that's, like, my jam. Yeah. When, okay, it's in L.A. Chinese
1: food makes him sick. Like that's, Right. He didn't Bring steal the shrimp fried rice. He didn't rice. steal that shit. No.
3: <laughs> yeah. But he will steal your girl like he stole your bike. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like,
1: just. I fucking hate you so much. I know you do.
3: <laughs> I know you do. And that's why you love me. Uh, <laughs> because New kids on the block.
1: Bunch of heads. Yeah. <laughs>
3: It's, it's not their fault, dude. What did Donnie ever do? The Chinese food made him sick. It wasn't Donnie.
1: Do you know what Sleeper and KOTB song I love? Cover Girl. Uh, oh, she's my cover girl. They, that song does not get a lot of play.
3: No, I mean, that was... I still remember that shit. I remember, like, walking into a Gadzooks, like, six years old, and that was, like, the flyness. I was just on our friend Eden's podcast talking yeah. about Backstreet Boys, and, like, you know, I want it that way. I couldn't think of a more terrible pop general manufactured miserable song makes no sense but i'll like i'll listen to that shit before i'll listen to revolver any beatles tune or any like yo whatever because that song i fell in love with a girl to that song at a pool party at this other girl's house that was fantastic and so that's the song i'm gonna take to my fucking grave not like oh my god here's the greatest hits of you know Fleetwood Mac or here's this, like, really cool, like, alt song that no one like cool likes
1: that's the other thing too is that you have to really like while we're here and in these moments you have to live them like you just do like like steven just genuinely fucking made me laugh so hard with like throwing some LFO. we both love 311 for that reason you, there are certain things because well, we both come original they, we come original like we're all mixed up for yeah. sure but ultimately it's amber the in here yeah because it's, it's our all energy. pure it's all pure amber at this end. <laughs> No, I I honestly
2: didn't
3: know them either. I just had to like, that's the
1: 1% that Steven and I belong to (laughs) our 1%, our version of the 1% is people that know more than one 311 song.
2: No, I was just,
3: I was just talking to our friend Eden and I was talking about the very first Coachella. I came out to LA and all my friends there, we had two flyers, like these two flyers for these two different parties came out. Three eleven Cypress Hill smoke out oh, or Coachella yeah. and I was like, Coachella guys and they're like fucking 311 it is let's all go watch fucking insane of in the membrane Like, insane let's all fucking membrane, get bitch. let's get insane and I like I mean I remember sitting on a football field like doing mushrooms in an empty football stadium of Mark Farina like playing a fucking record on loop and I was like okay well I hope that they're all coming original over there because fuck those guys like I'm not going to listen to Slipknot not now not ever not ironically I will not eat green eggs yeah Hound.
1: yeah you know? so I will say that like listen to the fucking pure joy that we have had in the Last Minute and a Half, this is the kind of pure joy that only comes with having no fucking self-esteem. So I must tell you, just giving a, throw your hands up to the gods of pop culture and just live in it because once this moment passes, you can never, and you will never enjoy delicate the way that you are now because it's having a fucking moment and you're living it and you'll, because of that, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, you'll be laughing your fucking ass off at how many times you watched that video or the time you like fucking cried because you Taylor Swift jobbing interview routine didn't work or whatever like this is these are the moments that fucking make up our life so just live in it and enjoy it because life is really devoid of any sort of joy and you should catch it wherever you can like there's just no and fuck the beatles honestly i'm tired of them i'm
3: so tired i've of been it. listening george martin made that band anyways uh
1: harrison no
2: george
1: oh martin. oh okay i was like honey uh, engineer, babe um no but i will tell you this is that for real i've been listening to the beatles my whole life they don't move the needle for me anymore. But right. you put on a fucking Taylor Banger, like, dress, and I am there, bitch.
3: I can tell you, you can go to, like, the coolest party in L.A. right now, which is an emo night. And it's not going to be Arcade Fire or, like, It's all some saves the weird, day. Yeah. Like, fucking- It's going to be Taking Back Sunday. Brand new. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, the knife is going to come on, and people are going to lose their fucking mind. It's not going to be, <laughs> you know, Elliot Smith, like- That's great music to kill yourself to, but it's not going to fucking set you off.
1: Yeah, like literally catch me listening to Elliot Smith. Never. Like I... Needle in there. No. No, I not for me. Like literally not for me.
3: Not it. No. Not me too.
1: And I do love people that like are like, yeah, fucking Elliot Smith. I'm like, do you really listen to? All- do you really enjoy, like turn on an Elliot Smith record and like fucking? Right. Like I'm gonna
3: sit down and like transcribe these Bob Dylan lyrics. If I I'm gonna really listen like, to a moody digest, bitch, I and, like... want some
1: Fiona Apple or I want nothing. I'm gonna I want the fucking snort pointer Fiona sisters, Apple's like, ashes. Like, like, honestly, like, I don't mind like a Mary J. moment. Oh uh, no, that's I'm going down. Are you yes. kidding me right now? Like I fuck. Ed and I would scream, saying, "I'm going down like all over L.A."
3: Right, and Salt and pepper, I'll take any day of the week,
1: a- any day of the any week. Day. And so, and at so one what? time, so don't these... Hill moment, I love a Well, moment. I mean, and, and at one time in our culture, all of these things that we're mentioning were laughable to large portions of the population and frankly they missed out like when i look at my record collection it is salt and pepper lauren hill the beverly hills cop soundtrack like it is those things that i'm like that's what i want to listen to on a saturday night when i'm like cooking and drinking wine Do you want my beverly hills cop record is that why you're being quiet
3: no, I, I love the Pointer Sisters, and I've got, like, deep ingrained memories to the Beverly Hills, soundtrack, Beverly Hills Cop 2 soundtrack. I mean, it goes right from Bob Seger into the Pointer Sisters, and like, yeah. I feel it all.
1: Sister Act 2. Speaking, speaking of, like, 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 oh, like Banger. Sister Act 2. <laughs> so good. I remember seeing no, that. No, I mean, I was just, okay, you know what?
3: A canonical. I'm, I'm a Sister Act 1. I saw it with my grandma, and, like, all those hits. So good. Like, you know, that, those, that,
1: that original Sister Act soundtrack was one of my, it was my first tape. But the first thing I bought with my these own money. These fucking
3: kids with their streams now and their fucking SoundCloud rappers are never going to know what it was like to have to go and buy a compilation soundtrack because like, that's the only way that you're going to get that fucking track. Like, oh my God, this one soundtrack to this movie has like three good songs on it from different people. Like, fuck, my head's going to explode. Yeah, I'd have to spend $100 on cassettes to like put that mixtape together.
1: Can we talk about what the next... What the next thing is going to be cuz Lil isn't a big saturation here Lil, Lil it's over like like Where Lil we had I mean Lil was like Lil Cam was like that was like okay wow like someone put Lil in further in name. that's funny but now we got Lil Peep Lil Yachty, fucking Lil well Lil Peep passed um little uh what's a Lil what's his face the one who looks like he's a uh, little pump. like we got all the, we're fucking we're done with the Lil's what's next What's next We've got some youngs out there. Young, I don't mind. I don't think we have an over... I am mean,
3: just waiting for big to come up, you know? Big. Yeah, I mean, I've big spent Papa. My whole lot. Well, we well, no. need more I mean, bigs. Yeah, I mean, you know. We've got not big Sean. But like, big Sean. We've right. got... Fat Pun.
1: Fat Pun. He's
3: still around. Fat Joe.
1: Fat Joe. Fat Pun was heaven. Wow. Big Pun. Oh, Big Pun.
3: Fat Joe, Big Pun.
1: Oh, you said Fat no. Pun.
3: No, I did not. Yeah, you did. No, I did not.
1: I? I can literally rewind the tape if you want Oh, Ooh, listening. fuck it, Christina's. Oh, Christina's threatening a rewind <laughs> on you. Big but, pun. Yeah.
3: yeah, of course it's. No, because we went from Big Sean to Big Pun to Fat Joe.
1: Um, You did say Fat Pun, but okay, that's yeah. fine. No, um, I know. I was like, what are y'all talking about? Can I, I tell you something? Fat Joe's what's love has such a fucking dear place of my heart like that's w- what's when up. I went to Montreal that's your, for dollars so Taylor Swift yeah oh yeah no, no 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 I never had any shame in that game oh well good I was uh I was listening to like it's
0: it's j- jams that you listen to in high school that like galvanize memories for you so I was listening
1: to um hey mom that it's like uh oh yeah never leave uh-oh. you Lumity. yeah yeah <laughs>
5: Yeah, that's,
1: I mean, that's on the tip of my tongue at any given <laughs> moment. Yeah, trust me. Lumity is a, fa- and I will tell you, Amory's one thing. If you fucking put that on at a party, everyone oh, yeah. loses their minds. They Dude, lose their put minds. On, I love one thing. Put on Tina. Yeah.
3: Put on What a Girl Wants.
1: Oh, forget the it. The movie. I mean, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Mel Gibson film.
3: No. No, that's Amanda what Byes Byes women want.
1: Oh, film, what's yeah. What a Girl Wants?
3: That's amazing. That's no, that's Nancy Myers. That's how I learned to watch Waiting
0: for Godot retold vis a vis like uh, Amanda Bynes. What
3: isn't Waiting for Godot retold? (laughs) That's what a girl wants.
1: It's when she dresses in like. Yeah, she, she dresses up oh, a, a as, as a soccer no, player. No, that's and like... That's uh, what a man or something.
3: <laughs>
2: that's, you a man. Yes, Juwana I want man. a man. No. Oh,
0: oh, that's when she finds out that her dad is like a prince or Correct. something.
1: Correct. Like What's yeah. what a girl wants?
3: What a girl wants is she flies to England and her dad's a prince. It, it's like. King Ralph retold, Bynes. but Amanda Bynes in the John Goodman role.
1: Good for her. Who, is the, who plays the dad who's like a famous... He's uh, an ugly Firth.
3: British guy. Yeah. Uh, the
1: dad. Yeah. Do you love that Dr. Drew was in the Mary-Kate-Nashley moment? Uh, movie, you mean Mary-Kate-Nashley only
3: put a New York minute? Yeah, I saw that in theaters.
1: Okay, same. But like, I mean, you know, you know I've got the Olsen twins tattooed in my body. This is where Stephen and I get sick because we're like trying to outdo each other on the most pathetic thing that can come out of your mouth. But... Like,
0: <laughs> but I know you guys were older... When that movie came out, like... Uh, older I still fucking don't
3: know how What's old Stephen
1: is. Steven has never told me how old he is. And that's okay. Ever, and ever. Okay. Stephen could be 45. I if have no fucking idea. If I told you idea. how old
3: I was, it would be inappropriate to be sitting in Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's In the New York Minute.
1: <laughs> I just, like, snarfed all over that myself. it came out in 2004.
3: I'm just saying... No, I went to see it as CineFamily at the re-release, The Criterion.
1: You're sick. <laughs> just
3: can't. That's problematic.
1: But like I do have to say that it's wild to think about Dr. Drew, who that we were then later supposed to take as a credible specialist as he helped Kanicki from Greece work through his crippling drug addiction. Uh I mean
3: Jack Osborne also. But I rewatched no, I mean, Jack Osborne was in the movie, he has nothing to do
1: with it. I rewatched yeah. season one of Celebrity Rehab recently in an attempt to like do it for emotionally broken psychos, and it's too dark. Like it's 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 and by too dark I mean like Sh- I cannot believe that shit was on television.
3: There are so many places where we vary, and one is I've never seen a reality show. Like I've, you know, you could open up a suitcase of money in front of me, and I couldn't pick a jenner out of a fucking lineup, or I couldn't name a single housewife of, of where I have a fucking. Well, I'm Fontana. really glad you're
1: proud of yourself but, for
3: that. Um we Everyone we, has to have something. No, that's my thing. But we definitely have Mary Kate and Ashley Olson in common. And whoever thought when Dr. Drew was like so progressive in the 90s with Adam Carolla, both of them would become like crazy fucking Trump-supporting like know He's neocons. a Trump supporter? I mean, he's a libertarian. I think basically he's just like stingy, like he wants to keep his money. But the Adam and Dr. Drew show came back in podcast form and like our friend Allison Rosen had her like uh, professional breakup with Adam and so I kind of stopped listening to all of his stuff and turned it on and it's it's all this like – kind of side eye weird like right center stuff of you know I'm not gonna say Hillary Clinton isn't fit to be president but she looks a little peaked on TV and it's like yo Dr. Drew like what the fuck is your problem? What's like get on the winning team like Like, what I think he just wanted to like scoop like three percent off of his bottom line because the darkest part of that too
1: is that like it's the it is everyone who is right of center or even Right of the direct left That is making the drug problem in this country worse So the irony in that is not lost on me But let's take our next call And uh, I'm going to go blow my nose
5: Hey malls Hey Christina and guests And hey wags My name is Ashley And I've been listening to your show for about a year So I guess I'm a kind of a new listener But anyway Love the show and I decided to call in so here's my question I'll get right to it so I have a best friend we've been best friends for probably about 12 years um side note I'm in my early 30s so make a long story short um we were going out somewhere and I let her I usually let her borrow my jewelry a lot because she never really has anything which is also kind of annoying but it's my best friend so whatever so she ended up Putting on uh, one necklace, which I really didn't care about, I've had it for a while, wasn't a big deal. That's the one I thought she wore. Come to find out, when we actually get to the bar, I noticed that she ended up switching the necklace out for a necklace that was really personal to me, which was a gift from someone. A sentimental gift, actually. But I didn't know she had it on, but didn't make a big deal out of it. Um, Long story short, she didn't give me the necklace back that night, and she took a long time to return the necklace. Probably about maybe a month and a half to almost two months. And I'm like, bitch, where's the necklace? So I finally ended up meeting up with her. She hands me this box. And ha- and as she's handing me the necklace, she's like, girl, um, you know, I'm really sorry. It took a long time to get the necklace back. But I lost the chain piece of the necklace. But here's like the, you know, little charm. It was like a, it was like a Swarovski crystal heart charm. So she said that she'd replace the chain part of the necklace. I mean, it's not like it's super expensive. I mean, I guess it was like maybe a hundred and something dollars. I mean, I'm not sure it was a gift. The point about it is I just was annoyed because A, you took almost two months to return something to me and you could have told me that it was broken. And then when you did return it to me, you didn't even replace the chain. You told me that you were going to replace the chain. And now we're about three weeks later, still haven't gotten my chain replaced. Sidebar. I don't know if it's petty or not, but I think it's relevant to the story. This is like the really cheap friend to where every time you go out to eat and, you know, everyone usually splits the bill. She always has an issue with splitting the bill. She never wants to split it. She only she counts how many drinks she's had. And I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. But um, I hope I don't sound like a bitch. <laughs> Please advise. Revoke your
1: hello to Wags because he does not deserve it today. He is not being spoken to. We're not acknowledging him in the family um while well, he sits on my lap. Um but there's a couple of things you said in here that had me a little bit triggered. Um and when you shine a light on the fact that you're 30, it's it's extra dark because a lot of the things that you're describing are behaviors that you dealt with in college like I dealt with in college or in my early 20s when we were all broke and like we were struggling and contextually it all made a lot more sense not to say that like you can't be in your 30s and struggling with these things but you kind of learn how to finesse a situation when you hit a certain age so that you're not being a fucking tacky monster like if you're going to go out and say like I have to count my drinks because of I, I only have X amount of dollars, like make that known in advance. Don't put everyone through the check hitting the table and then being like, I know we were going to divide the six ways, but I would like to like say that I only owe $22.48.
0: I actually have stopped going to group dinners because of that behavior.
1: Yeah. And whenever, but you, the thing with us too, is that like you're very comfortable Like, say to me, like, oh, like, I'm saving right now. And then to which case, like, a lot of times I'll just be like, well, I just wanted to enjoy your company. So, like, I'll pick up the tab, no big deal. I know you'll hit me back when you can. Like, you'll get my dinner sometime. But this is the thing is that you've brought up several things that are super huge triggers for me individually because there's some things that I've been taught in my life and I've seen in my life that are overall just. At the time, they seemed like this is annoying, that was rude, whatever. But ultimately, it's a sign of how your friend thinks of you. Um, You know, there is that person in your life that's going to borrow your favorite top and return it to you with a stain on it. And that person does that because they don't give a shit about you. Like, you are someone that has taught them that you are generous and they've seen that they can push the limit with you. Yeah. Um, I have had friends that have gone into my closet and put on a piece of my jewelry or put on something of mine and not bothered to return it, not bothered to say, hey, I'm gonna borrow this for the indefinite future and I'll return it to you on my own like leisure. I've had friends return things broken. I've had friends never say anything at all and I had to go to them and be like, hey, DM, my thing. Um, I do remember my grandmother used to have an expression, um never a borrower nor a lender be. So like she would always say like, you don't borrow people's shit and you don't give your shit out. Like you basically, everyone has what's theirs and they have what's theirs and that's it. And there, I think there's a lot of like notions that are really fair, which is like in a group setting or if people are buying shit, that's trendy. Like it does make sense to swap shit with your girlfriends, but there are things in everyone's life that are sentimental and that deserve to be on a higher tier. And knowing that this necklace was sentimental to you, I think that at the time the move would have been to say before she even helped herself, like, whenever like someone stays at my house, for example, I'm like literally anything you want in this house is yours, but please don't use my face products because they're my face products and they're fucking expensive. And they're the thing that I invest my money in. Like that is how I feel about that. But I make it known to the person. And if you say like, you can borrow anything you want my closet, but this necklace, this necklace and the things in this box are really sentimental to me. And so I don't want to lend them out. That's there's a difference between the junk jewelry and then something that you know, the price doesn't matter. If it's a necklace from your high school boyfriend or a friend that's passed or a family member, the actual price of it doesn't matter. It's about, as you said, the sentimental value and having respect for your friend, having respect for the fact that that came from a part of your life that really means something to you. I think that moving forward, this is someone that if I were you, I would start to phase out because even if they are a good person ultimately, and that they're going through a rough time that has made them be act selfishly that it's not your problem to deal with it and maybe they will reintegrate into your life when they're in a better position and like you'll say okay the good validating or the things that were great about this person still exist but now they're not in that hungry scrappy place anymore where they're gonna fuck with my life and my money in order to like make themselves feel better um
0: yeah, I don't know. It's so weird because usually when I've been in a spot where I've been like in a scrape, it's like I'm so humbled by it and yeah. I'm just like thank you for well, even just doing the Well, we're on that side of history,
3: I think. I mean, this is where your your listeners can fast forward because I'm going to talk for a second. Um, but you no, know, I like I'm with your grandma. Like grandma has a fucking clue. Like don't borrow, don't lend or if you do, know that the second you lend something out, that's not yours anymore. You'll never like, see it again. You, well, just treat just it you like t- you're never gonna see it. If you let someone borrow money, I'm putting borrows in quotes, you gave them money. If you they pay the you money. back, that's like a nice treat. That's like finding a dollar in a jacket pocket, but like that's not your money anymore. And it's completely different if someone goes and helps himself to like a little treat in your closet. That's not cool. Like if they're if you know, they're like, oh hey, I'm gonna go, you know, use the powder room and you catch them like grabbing your shit and like putting like layers on. That's not cool. Yeah. But if you're going to lend something to someone, just expect you're never getting it back. And yet yeah, don't lend like, oh, this was, you know, my my uh, the guy I took to prom died in a fiery car wreck and he was clenching this, you know, necklace in his fucking crispy hands and they pulled it from his hands and gave it to me and said I was his only true love and so yeah my my girl took it out to the fucking club on a Saturday night and like spilled some shit on it and lost it like that's stupid don't the do that. only
1: line I would draw for this girl is that just know that your generosity will not necessarily be returned and you will be punished for it
3: well going back to we're martyrs because that's just like our personal brand yeah you are either a giver or a taker in life. And yeah. you know, I don't like to draw lines like that, but there are people who are gonna take shit and there are people who give. And like we give selflessly, except for this little part where we get to be martyrs about it. But we give and other people take. And, you know, well, like Well, it's also a
1: pride. I mean, there is something selfish about it because it's like a pride in being like, I will my what what's mine is yours, you right? Know and I mean? it's like
3: I've got this nice th- yeah. It's nice to say I've got this nice thing. And I'd like to share it. Like yeah, if you and your girls all go out and like all pick up the you know the Gia the label the spring summer two thousand eighteen collection, you each get a piece. That's not yours. That's communal. Do your thing, but like don't share out a thing. You know, I'll put my friend Emily. I love my friend Emily on blast because I was at a party at Chateau and pulled off this thousand dollar kooji vintage sweater. Because she was cold and she looked – I mean it's its my size. It's like manatee sized, but it looked like a baller dress on her. And she put this around and like sashayed around the party in my Coogee sweater and it was cold and we were on the balcony of the penthouse. And she goes home with my sweater and call her up a couple of days later. Hey, could I grab that sweater? You know, that's like – that's my biggie sweater. That's literally the, the notorious big Coogee sweater. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, let me meet you. And then ghosts and then ghosts. And I call her like two weeks. Hey, what's up? Oh, you know, I threw that in the trunk of my car that I had shipped back to my parents' house in Long Island. And the mechanic in Long Island threw away the car and your sweater has gone. It's like, wow, like that story took a fucking twist quicker than like shrimp fried rice. But also I knew better. Like the second I took that off, it was yours. So whatever the cheap people, like just to switch back to that part, you know, that's like
1: next, that's a little next level. And I will say that, that you will run into people. Like, it sounds like this girl, it sounds like your friend, Emily are a little bit next level where it's like, not only do I not care that you lent me that it's not even that like I spilled something on it or whatever else. It's like, Boy, that shit is fucking gone. Like, yeah, your well, sweater like, is in the ocean. and Legitimately
3: like, douse it in fucking napalm and light it up because that's not yours.
1: And the your girl piece. came home drunk from the club, fucking probably put her, po- tried to pull her Fashion Nova dress over her head, and, like, the fucking chain snapped. And, like, that she wasn't being careful with it. And it's, like, that is a—that's a level of disrespect that is, you know, one— this is, sounds like someone you don't want to party with. One, she's cheap. Two, it sounds like she's sloppy. She seems very self-motivated. Like, don't be the
3: sloppy person. But this either. is
1: like, you guys are too old for this. Like in college, I think this is something that I like, I look back and I cringe at like some of the th- times where I was just like, I was cheap or like I partook in something that I couldn't necessarily afford. And then everyone else was like, oh, I have to pay an extra six bucks because miles came along or whatever. That is like, those are things that in my youth, I think I did. And I look back on that and I... Actually, if anything, I've probably paid dearly for it because I went I've got through long stages of literally paying for everyone. Uh trying to You've reconcile never paid for me. that's not true. Trying to reconcile <laughs> guilt. And like it's just it it is what it it is what it is. And you'll I think you'll be better off with this person out of your life. And and the best way to do it, because there was no direct offense, and it was also a behavior of yours that needed to be corrected where it's like you kinda hadn't laid down a boundary. Like you Right. Well, what, I mean,
3: it's like also Christina says, like, god being humble like having humility in that situation if i borrowed something from someone and broke it i would buy them two uh, the next day i'd be at their house have like gift wrap delivered. like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry please forgive me or would
1: like, be like i'll step get, up and like we do a these payment monsters were like
3: oh i broke your shit sorry it sucks be yeah, like let me grab another one
1: or like, even a normal person would go to you and say listen i don't have the money for this right now but can i give you like 10 bucks a week for the next like five weeks or something to get you a new chain like but these people just don't think
3: like us they're like it's like they're just a different species
1: i think as you get older you realize the
0: shame of making up a lie is greater than the shame of not being able to afford something and when you're younger i think the opposite is true Um, you You get get caught up a lot i remember not being
1: able to like admit to someone that i couldn't go to a movie because i didn't have money and i was like literally throwing out excuses that were like larger than life and like looking back on it what would the shame have been, and really just being like, "Oh, I don't have cash to go get a mo- to see a movie right now." Like, would that? But that's really- a poor
3: people thing. Like, that's that's something that I think we internalize. I don't yeah. know. Not speaking for you guys, but like I was raised no, so poor, and totally. like you know, it was. Oh my! This keeping up with you know the homies, the Joneses, like. I can't possibly, if they'll go to the movie without me, they're gonna talk about me at the movie. They're gonna talk about how poor I am. I've gotta show up like, you know, this guy throws away Lacoste shirts like they're fucking Kleenex, and I'm gonna save a whole summer so I can buy one like knockoff and sew my own little alligator on it. And like, that's how I'm gonna do because we, you know, we're socialized to think that we have to fit in and belong. And we spend our whole life in debt, not to like go into that social thing, but like, we spend our whole life in debt trying to catch up, like, Oh, my God, I'm going to sp- I'm going to save, you know, for two weeks to go to this three hundred dollar dinner with this bro at Mastro's. And like he's going to get eight bottles of of, you know, well, pierre And it's like, oh, fuck, man. Like, I didn't plan for you having like disposable like fuck you money to light on fire. Right. Like I plan for I'm going to save a lot and try to make this special. And like, I'm going to split a steak so with my friend and have
1: like, yeah, have but a drink.
3: I will say this about being those people. If you're gonna have your birthday at Mastros, don't fucking have like the communal pot in the middle. Everyone throws in six bucks. You pay for everyone. Like if you can't afford paying for everyone, that's chill. Go to fucking Chuck E. Cheese. Go hang out with your homies and share some slices and do that. But like, don't. I've I've spent my whole life hating that person who's like, oh my god, guys, it's my birthday now. Everyone take out like a lease on your car. It's only two hundred dollars. Yeah, we're all gonna fly to Vegas. Like no, what my
1: cell phone gets turned off. Yeah, like like, so that we could all go to the London for your birthday. Sorry, I don't
3: have hot water this month because yeah, you drank a couple of apple teenies. Like fuck those people. Well,
1: yeah, and then I think you
0: see like as you go through your twenties, like people get laid off, people have ups and downs, people suffer something like really like a medical bill that they have to pay for that really puts them out, and they can't afford things, and they have to take like an Uber job or something. This is the
1: thing is that like when we were at our twenties being really really fucking dirt poor and broke in this city by ourselves there was kind of a beauty to it because like it it made us get creative and what's un- and so by the time that we were a little bit older and like we could say like okay i can comfortably pay my rent this month it's a little bit of a fucking stretch but like at least i could throw it- at least i can ensure that my cell phone will stay on and that i can like keep a roof over my head and it's not going to be like fuck is the landlord gonna knock that that was, like, me around the age of, like, 31. Like, I hadn't sold the company yet. I had kind of blown through my two broke girls' money. I wasn't completely broke yet, but I definitely was fucking, like, I was skidding by every month. And... It was rough and it was like, a, it was a big learning lesson. But at the same time, I had had the lessons of being broke in my 20s and having to get creative with like side hustles. I had had the experience of having money and seeing that it didn't really make me happier. If anything, it fucking drained me and was like really just not worth it uh, in a lot of ways. So, I feel like you are this age now where for her it's really fucking unfortunate that she's still there and it's only because of the kindness of others that she is still there because Well,
2: yes
3: and no, but like also she she's just taking what people leave on the table for her. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like it's it's her bad for you know being the person who takes, but it's their bad for being the people who like exactly. let her get by with that.
1: And so it that's what I mean by like it's because others have given yeah, her the opportunity. She lives in
3: a gilded cage of their generosity, and
1: and unfortunately that's and unfortunately that's you. And so that's where you have to start to draw some hard lines in your Tough life. Love. And and it's also about boundaries and respect because look at look at where we are now. She is sailing about her life. Probably felt guilty for the two months she knew the necklace was broken and was hoping you wouldn't say anything. Uh, And then, you know, here we are on the other side of it. You've forgiven her. She doesn't even probably realize how big of a deal this was to you. And maybe if she does, she's kind of like floated on the fact that you haven't been vocal about it. Well,
3: it's forgive and forget. and You don't really forgive until you forget.
1: Yeah. And I will tell you this, is that like when I hear kids in their 20s or whatever complain about money or struggling or whatever – I have to stop myself from trying to fix the problem because when I look back on it, no one ever really fucking helped me. Like I had friends that were nice and like would make sure like be like, Oh, like let me get you dinner or something tonight. Once in a while people would, or be like, let me drive you to Trader Joe's or like people were very generous. You were very generous with me rides when I didn't have a car. So were you. And like the, that's one thing, but it's like no one, when I was like stressing about, paying my rent and like not sleeping and like just fucking terrified and hadn't been to a doctor in six years no one was like oh molly do you need to borrow five hundred dollars like no one ever said that to me like you know what though let me have
3: ass. no fuck no but like like,
1: but like saying like maybe
3: but let let me blow but i think there are some people out
1: there that that are when you are overly because i'm telling you that like when i see someone struggling my thing is to be like, do you need something? But, but I had like, to, I had to stop myself and realize guy. no one helped me, and so and there was a reason for but that.
3: You wouldn't have done the TV show, you wouldn't have started your company if someone said, "Here's enough to skate by and chilling your one bedroom in Koreatown." Like that's, it's like there's it a, a Stevie Wonder song. <laughs> living for the city it's like i've got just enough money it's like being on methadone like i've got just enough money to live in my little cell like my little prison of a home that i've made and get by and you know everything good or you know great i've ever done has been my back against the wall being in a place where i'm living in my car so i better figure this fucking thing out yeah or i you know i'm not paying my rent this month And there's no one to call like I can't pick up the bat phone. I don't have a family like I don't have a parent to bail me out or, you know, I would rather live under a bridge and did than go to some rich friend and be like, hey, bro, like I know that you, you know, pissed this away last night in uh, gin and tonics and like that could literally pay my rent for the month. I, I just couldn't do it. So that's how you, you know, I think that struggle makes for strength. That would be the greatest gift you could give
1: her, to be honest, is like if the second that people stop fucking helping this girl out, who is apparently so used to generosity, she doesn't know when it's coming or going. Like the best thing you can do for a person like this is to stop fucking helping them because then she'll, that's the only time she'll learn how to help herself. It's the truth is like those years where you struggle are fucking fundamental. And the fact that she hasn't figured this out by 30 or near, near 30 is, is, that's real and that's palpable and that's something that you need to help or get to the other side of by not helping her.
3: Uh, I, well, I think also just like to put a pin in it, it's like probably some insecurity there because take a look in the mirror. Like if you're spending months thinking about this hundred dollar chain, like, you know, that's, that's a dinner out on the town. That's something I'll like, never forget. Knock it off because what's, wh- what's wrong with your life that you have to spend, you know, horsepower, you grind away hours a day for months Thinking about this, like, low-level malaise of someone with a $100 chain. Shit, man, that's like a parking ticket. Like, charge it to the game, move on.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget Ed telling me this article he read. He's like, oh, I read an article in Vanity Fair. He's like, this guy, he's like a people pleaser. And, like, we were really young, so, like, we didn't really have, like, a lot of self-help vocabulary in place. And he was kind of introducing this theory to me and he was like, "My this guy, he's like a people pleaser and he put himself $40,000 in debt just like picking up the tab and like, you know, being like, oh, I'll, I'll get the plane ticket and I'll do this. And like there is for a lot of us out there and I would say I fall more into this category. I would say at different times of my life i have probably been more on the taker category for sure. But I also have always had like this inherent sort of if I have it, it's also yours sort of attitude and it's fucked me. It's fucked all the. I've pe- know so many people. It's just fucked to be like, what's mine is yours because someday what what the yours is, you're gonna need that. And yeah, you're not
3: helping anybody. It's, it's at like, your expense. Yeah, if you if you can't swim, don't jump in the pool to save somebody because now you got two drowning people.
1: Yeah. Damn boy. All right, let's take our next call and let's uh, wrap this shit up. Hi,
6: Malls, Christina, and guest. Uh, last time
1: I called,
6: I was told that I sounded like a frown, and that's totally true and valid. Thank you for pointing that out. But I don't really have a question today. I just really, really, really want Mother May I Sleep The podcast back. I love the Lifetime podcast. I love Lifetime movies, and that podcast is my favorite thing, my favorite podcast I subscribe to. I'm already a Patreon contributor. I just, if you wanted, I want to get the word out. I just love your podcast. Even if it doesn't get on the show, I want you to know that I appreciate and love Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. So thank you, Molly, for all that you do. Christina, you are wonderful and magical. My dog is barking, so I must go. I just want Molly to know And Christina, I love the client list and the girl he met online. Those episodes are phenomenal. I just really love the Lifetime podcast. Thank you, and goodbye.
3: Why do people keep saying guest? My name's not guest. I know my name is Steven.
1: Yeah, I know my first (laughs) name is Steven. (laughs) By the way, the guy who played Steven in that movie, you're so fucking funny. I hate you, though. but Like, you're so funny. (laughs)
0: I'm curious if someone or uh, if your celebrity was going to play you in a Lifetime movie, Stephen, who would you pick?
3: Angelina Jolie.
1: Same. Uh, no, I, w- I would want uh, Diane Weast to play <laughs> Be a later chapter of my life. Let's fast forward all no, that. No, Diane Weast should play you now. I know.
3: Honestly, Morgan Freeman. Like, she's up for the He can really job. step out of himself.
1: And play me? Yeah, no,
3: no, me. Oh, okay. <laughs> he can lose himself in that character.
1: Yeah, I could see him losing himself for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, wait, so, okay. Everyone
3: thought I was going to say Ethan Soupley.
1: First of all, you've come up really far on uh, sounding like the frown emoji, and by that I'm just kidding. Uh, you still sound like a frown. <laughs> but I appreciate I was your... like, why
3: is Eeyore calling in? Eeyore is a Patreon subscriber? <laughs>
1: And we appreciate that donation. Um, no, the- we
3: love you. But here, let me throw this. I, no one else can say this. So I'm just going to speak up for a moment. Like, you're a Patreon. That means you're a Patreon. That doesn't mean you own anyone here. No, you can't doesn't. tell anyone what to do. Like, Steven. you can't. Uh, yeah, we get it. Like, that's very sweet. But, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I'm just saying, oh. like, that's sweet of you. Keep subscribing. Like and subscribe. Follow. You know, you download. You worry
1: Actually, more about having your persons. tail nails back on.
3: No, she's an amazing person. But also, <laughs> like, you know.
1: No, but I. You don't
3: get a license to start asking I i, I man here.
1: I don't think she thought that. And, and here's the thing: is that the reality is, is that it has been, uh, I think, it was six months or something since we aired the last episode. I just want to gently remind you that we were able to do a, a slightly faster turnaround in the first season or the second season because um, I wasn't doing as much then. I have now. I have three podcasts. The thing is, is that I ultimately and this is just full transparency. I have, which I don't necessarily owe anyone, but I'll do it for the sake of it. And also because why the fuck not? I am now working with lifetime um, on the show, which is like, they obviously, they clear that clearly they do not like basically it's almost nothing. It's barely, it doesn't even really cover the cost to produce the show, but it's enough that I really value that they are Behind the show um, in any capacity at all, the Lifetime Movie Club. And um, specifically, it's not Lifetime TV, it's Lifetime Movie Club.com slash malls for a free month. Um, but I once I enter into a situation with a company, there you you owe things on time. You can't, especially with a company like Lifetime Movie Club, which does not sponsor any other podcasts. They don't work in this space. When I tell you that. I might as well call them and say, I would like you to broadcast um, something on the planet Mars. Like they might as well that I probably would get more money if I was doing that because they could at least make sense of it. They don't really understand the whole podcast world. So I have to do um, a more traditional as if it was television or something ad deal with them. And that means that I have to hit my weeks every single Sunday um, with scheduled breaks in advance and. I think we had one episode that aired off the schedule and I was really afraid that they were going to pull out all Now come to find out, they really probably don't give a fuck about us either way so that they weren't really tuned in. But I will tell you that my responsibility to have this show come out every Sunday is my first concern when it comes to bring out a new season. The other side of it is that I've been dealing with like some pretty severe depression, like full transparency. I like switched my medication. I have just been dealing with some personal stuff this year. Um, And I'm coming out on the other side of it now. So I do feel optimistic that in the next like couple months, we'll be launching a new season. But the absolute like amount of time and legwork it takes for me personally. But then also in terms of getting a guest on board for each episode and really like explaining to them what the time commitment is, is that it's like, you know, most podcasts, you come in, you do ninety minutes, you're out. Like, you are not concerned with the production. You're not concerned with familiarizing yourself with material or anything like that. This really requires you to watch the movie at least once at home and then come to my house for like sometimes three and a half hours and discuss a movie. And that is a big ask of a guest. And I only want to do better in terms of bringing you guests back that you enjoyed previously and getting bigger guests to help grow the show and guests that are interesting and unique voices. Someone like Jennifer East, someone like Christina who isn't necessarily on a lot of podcasts as a guest, but is a really brings a lot to the table. So those are not always easy things to manage in terms of getting that full spectrum of guests, the full spectrum of movies, also getting that time out of me and making sure Mm -hmm. that I have the time available and, Of course, biggest shout out ever to Sammy and Steven, who are there to not just record the episodes, but edit the episodes, which is an incredibly laborious task that honestly, I feel a sincere and extreme amount of guilt for the amount of money I pay them for the amount of work that they do. I've worked in freelance situations like they have before and seen that. When you break down the hourly rate of what they're making or what I've been making in certain situations, it's not minimum wage. So I am very conscious of the fact that there are multiple hoops to jump through. If this was something like Emotionally Broken Psychos, we were talking about how I don't always get those episodes in on time or whatever. Um, Or how occasionally we'll take a break from Please Advise or whatever. If that was this conversation, it would be a totally different conversation because that's on me. This is like such a combined group effort where there's real money involved. There's patrons involved. there's, There's people that rely on this content. I do take it seriously. And there's only 15 episodes a season. And because of that, I really feel the need to put my all into it. There's nothing I feel more guilty about. Than the episodes where I've been off, like when Allie Ward's episode after the election where I basically was just so fucking bombed, I don't even think I was making sense. Like I was just on another planet punishing myself because of our the state of our union. So I um, just wanted to, like, say I hear you. I hear about this a lot. If anything, I am obviously hand-wringing and over-explaining myself right now because I understand what it's like to love something and be a fan of something and be like, where is this? And have people be like, I don't know. And I'm not saying we're Black Mirror season four over here, but I am saying (laughs) that like, where it's like, when the fuck is my favorite show coming back? But at the same time, much like Black Mirror, there's a fucking limited run. You don't know when it's going to drop. There's only a certain amount. Everything is standstill. There's no fucking arc. Like, it is a hard show for for me to produce. That's my personal Black Mirror journey. I honestly
0: don't think people know how much goes into on your end in terms of the production. It's 40 hours an
1: episode. Yeah. Like, it's 40 hours an episode. And, like, that is a work week. And I also have other things I do. Like, I'm a single woman who's maintaining a home. It's, like, fucking crazy in here right now. I have a dog. I have fucking two other podcasts I produce several podcasts I'm actively looking for writing work in terms of getting into a writer's room again like there are things that I have to do meetings I have to go to fucking doctors everything we all have shit we have to do in our lives this is for me it's like extreme hobbyism and
3: Molly's got real problems guys
1: I don't but like that's that's another reason why I'm also hand-wringing a little bit about this because it's Just not give the girl
3: her fucking necklace back man <laughs> Just, <laughs> replace her necklace
1: it's an extreme hobby that's the only way that I can really refer to like doing a podcast like that because it's not lucrative for me I get no glory there's no, no fame. it's for love of
3: the game and like it really it, everything has to be like that and you know and it's I, I because that a
1: lot. I love Lifetime movies, too. And I will say that I think that we're working on getting another podcast up under the umbrella that will be Patreon only. That's not hosted by me, but will be focusing mostly on cheesy Christmas movies, Hallmark movies, because people often come to me and say, will you do a Hallmark movie? And it's like, no, I won't do a Hallmark movie because I don't fuck with Hallmark. But like Lifetime, that is where my heart is. So, you know, I'm about to like fuck. It's Saturday night, baby. I might turn away from YouTube for a minute and watch a couple lifetimes.
3: Gonna cozy up with the old lifetime.
1: But here's the other thing with lifetime and a reason why I like get so again, hand-wringing and emotional about it is that lifetime has fucking been the glue that has held my life together during some really fucking tough times. And I think that's also why I'm so passionate about it because There have been times in my life where I've just been so broke or so depressed and all I have done is work, eat, sleep, and watch Lifetime. So we had a little uh, hiccup there and for some reason Stephen and I are talking about the heroin problem in Massachusetts now. But I will say that like I am here for you. I fucking feel you. This, these are movies that have held me together. I really appreciate anyone out there that is passionate enough about the subject matter or the way that my friends and I talk about it that they will spend two hours plus with a podcast. That means a lot to me. You, Steven, I would love to have on this season.
3: I would love to be on. And Do you, you like know, a
1: Lifetime movie?
3: I I like the sound of my own voice.
1: I want to get you on one of my favorite genres, which is naughty teen girls.
3: I want to get on some... Wait, What? <laughs>
1: I know, I know you do. Uh, by the way, I will say it. It both just dis- it it fucking infuriates and disgusts me how many how every guy I know like when I'm like what kind of porn are you into? They're like oh I want to say I'm like teen girls. I know it's Not teen number, girls. Like, I
3: love fucking like wet latex like. I, I like, love to watch a girl in, like, a Mizuno swimsuit get oiled up. And, I like, just want a guy to say, Japanese you know what,
1: I'm into fucking POV facial assault. Like, that is what I'm into, and it's like, you know what, that's disgusting to me, but, like, let's be real. 99% of the guys you know are fucking jerking off to girls that look teenage being assaulted by a dick in their mouth. That is absolutely what 99% of the guys we know are watching. Just admit it. We know. Come to terms. I've I mean, come to terms with the baby. That's kind of
3: heteronormative.
1: Fucking throw your iPad out the window again. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was episode one sixty one of Please Advise Stephen Myers. People can find you uh, on Twitter at not Brody Jenner. You can also find him on Instagram, Toasty Cakes. Um, the name we do not speak in this house normally, Stephen. Um, anywhere else or anything else that people should know about you? Throwing any hot pool parties at the Standard or?
3: I mean, honestly, if you see me, just don't say hi.
1: <laughs> there you go. Like, honestly, thank you. Like, that is the perfect response to that question. Honestly, don't... Yeah. There's Your no quiet worries.
3: admiration is plenty.
1: <laughs> you know what? Don't find me anywhere. As a matter
3: of fact, don't.
1: <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Christina Lopez is on... Internet? What? Oh, no, go ahead. She's on the internet, at Christina Lopez. Oh, yeah. And uh, you guys also... Um, we need calls always 323-450-7408 three, three, it is crucial to how we make our show 323-450 three, three, Can four, people five, text zero. in
3: their questions is that a thing
1: they yeah. can email. Yeah, I guess I think they can. They,
3: you know, we live in this modern era. People, like, DM you You can tweet you a us a question. Q.
1: You can sure. also email letters and voice notes to askpleaseadvise yeah, at gmail.com. I'll, t- I'll
0: text with a- uh, Snapchat.
3: You,
1: like, Are people like, with, hello? Like, Do we get things like that?
5: Over?
0: No, it's usually like, oh, I need you to re-record something, so I'll send them a text. Oh, okay. And then they'll talk back. And, yeah. Oh,
5: but
1: people don't, like, text us. You're like, us. nobody no, talks no, back no, to Christina. No, no, no one has texted us. So you can text us if you want, but yeah, will be talking to me, not Molly. You know you're going to start getting some unwelcome. I know. Long don't. Hair. If you need help, just call a hotline. <laughs> it's like, really interesting to me how people think that, like, like a thought line. Not only can they get around the system, but that we will answer their questions on a personal and real time basis, yeah. like as if I'm a psychiatrist or something over here, guys. I have a sinus infection that I barely want to get treated. I'm chain smoking in my own house. My dog fucking is facially assaulted all of our guests today. <laughs>
3: Yeah, And this is a fucking guys, podcast. Really, this isn't I, a clinic. I can't you know? stop talking
1: about facial assault. Like, I just, it is what it is. What do you want me to say? I
0: wonder what that says about you. If you guys
1: don't know what facial assault is, you might want to watch the documentary Hot Girls Wanted on Netflix. It was produced by Richard want to watch Jones. this
3: documentary called You're boy.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Go do something good this week uh, and tell people about our podcast as well. Three two three four five zero seven four zero eight. Be charitable, be kind. Don't fuck it up. Bye.